You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome to New York. This is, is the Devil's Devil State, State of Mind podcast, podcast, brought to you brought by to you the Hockey, Hockey Podcast, podcast Network. Network. Now here's now your here's host, host, Neil Villapiano! What is going on, Devils fans? It is, as always, your host, Neil Villapiano, and welcome to another edition of the Devil's State of Mind podcast right here on the Hockey Podcast Network, the best place to get everything you need to know about your new Jersey Devils. I hope you guys are having a fantastic day wherever you're listening to this podcast episode. Thank you guys, as always, for taking some time out of your day to check these episodes out. I greatly appreciate this episode. And everything we do here at the Hockey Podcast Network are sponsored by the wonderful people at DraftKings Sportsbook. Make sure when you sign up for DraftKings to use our promo code THPN. Ladies and gentlemen, as always, we have a lot to talk about here on the Devil's State of Mind podcast. The main focal point of this episode is going to be discussing some potential trades that the Devils could very well make. There's a lot of rumors going around. We obviously are slowly but surely approaching the trade deadline, and we're hearing reports left and right. And it is interesting because it sounds a lot more like the Devils are going to be buyers at the deadline and not really sellers, which I feel like you would kind of expect. But we shall see what the news has for us today. We are also going to be recapping the Winter Olympics, you know, specifically talking about from the Devils perspective, there is two more players that I somehow forgot to mention that are also that were also at the Olympics. Um, I'm recording this like a day after the Olympics came to an end. Um, so there's that. And then we're also going to give you guys another Utica comments slash prospect update because, oh boy, we got a lot of good things to talk about when it comes to the future of this team and even the present, especially with the Utica comments. But as you can see, 
We have a bunch to talk about here, as we always do on the Devil's State of Mind podcast. So let's not waste any more time and get rolling. So the first thing we're going to talk about, and again, it is the main focal point of this episode, is talking about some rumors. We got two slash three, you know, or if you want to put, you know, one team with multiple rumors in one and then another team with another rumor, then you could say two. But I'll just go with, let's say, three. Let's put it that way. So on Saturday, this past Saturday, Daily Faceoffs Frank Seller Valley reported that the Devils have interest in Vancouver Canucks forward Brock Besser. Their interest in Besser is nothing new, either as Sarah Valley indicated that the Devils have had deep talks with the Canucks in the past about Brock Besser, but could not agree on a deal. So right away, this is something that I think all of you guys at this point should probably know. But again, if you don't, Brock Besser is currently with the Vancouver Canucks. He is considered to be a very talented goal scorer, a guy that has a nose for the goals, something that the Devils lack. He's also a winger, something the Devils desperately need on their top six. So this really should come as no surprise that they are talking. And really, this the only reason we're even talking about this is mainly because a few weeks back, we got word from several sources, including Elliot Freeman and Sarah Valley, that the Vancouver Canucks were planning on moving some people to maybe begin, well, not maybe, but to begin the process of a quote-unquote rebuild. Um, the only guys that we knew for the most part, are pretty much hit, you know, not tradable at all, are Elias Pettersson, um, I believe it was also Quinn Hughes, Jack Hughes's uh, older brother, so at least for now, the dream of bringing all three Hughes brothers together on one team um, is dead, but maybe it will change down the road, and also Bo Horvat, the current captain of the Vancouver Canucks. Now, I do want to mention this. I was on a podcast episode recently of the Soda Pod, which covers the Minnesota Wild here on the Hockey Podcast Network. Go subscribe to them, my good buddy Isha, and also House of Hoppy. Great guys. Love interacting with them. We did talk about Bo Horvat a little bit because basically before I went on the podcast, I had based, I had come to the conclusion off of the rumors that Bo Horvat was one of the untouchables. But as it has been mentioned in, you know, the Vancouver area and by people with it, you know, with, with ties to the Vancouver Canucks organization, it does sound like that if there's a good deal in place, that the Canucks would also be interested in moving Bo, Bo Horvat. His contract is coming up soon. He hasn't necessarily played as well as one would hope. So maybe possibly, possibly, Un, you know, unlikely, but it's still possibly that maybe the, the Devils could talk to the Canucks about Bo Horvat. The only thing is, I believe he is a center. He can play on the wing. But when you talk about Brock Besser, he's more definitively a winger, which is something the Devils need right now. That's the way you got to look at it. Um, Besser is not only the Canucks forward that the Devils have been connected to lately, as just a couple weeks ago, and we talked about it here on the podcast, that uh, and it was reported by Elliot Friedman, that there was also interest in Connor Garland. Now, again, and I'm going off of talking with Isha on the podcast, I'm going to cite him. He said that 
basically the Canucks are not really that interested in moving Connor Garland for a multitude of reasons. And I've also spoken to some other Canucks uh, fans and media as well. You, they just got Connor Garland in the offseason in a nice trade, and they want to, you know, he still brings a lot to the table. They paid him a decent amount, even though the Canucks are probably looking to shed salary. That's not really somebody that they want to shed the salary up. And that, and so they want to, it sounds like to me that Vancouver wants to not only rebuild, but be somewhat competitive, which I can, I can definitely understand. So that's something to keep in mind, but it sounds like as of late, Connor Garland doesn't seem like a likely possibility to get moved. So when it comes to the Devils and the Vancouver Canucks, it sounds like that it's Brock Besser or nobody. And then we also got rumblings over the weekend that talks have picked up a lot recently and thing, you know, there's just constantly rumors coming out. I mean, it's just, and again, at the end of the day, these are all just rumors. There's always the chance that nothing happens between either team, you know, whether it's they work, you know, work a trade together or they move different pieces, different teams, they could both just end up doing nothing by the time the deadline is over. The other thing that I should mention is this. We mentioned it before here on the podcast that the Devils have gotten word that there are several teams that have expressed interest in Pavel Zaka, who is a restricted free agent at the end of the year. And after a couple of days after the initial report, we got word that the Vancouver Canucks and the Washington Capitals were two of the teams, at least, that um, have come out in the public. Well, they haven't come out, but has been reported in the public that have shown interest. And so... I know what you're thinking from a devil's perspective. Does it make sense to include Pavel Zaka in a deal for Brock Besser? I think it does if the Canucks do indeed have interest. But as we all know, there is no way that we can do a one-for-one. First of all, doing a one-for-one in general is not going to happen. I mean, everybody saw what Peter Shirelli did trading Taylor Hall to us for Adam Larson, the the infamous one-for-one. Nobody wants to make a mistake like that. And I totally get it. So the the obvious thing is that the Devils are not only going to have to include more, they're going to have to include some pretty interesting pieces because let's face it, Pavel Zaka is in what now his seventh season in the NHL and he really just has not been the guy that we expected him to be when we drafted him and he's been very inconsistent. And so you look at somebody that's probably not going to get paid a whole lot in his next contract and you know, does he have top six potential? It's hard to say at this point in his career. It, it may be more that he's just better as a bottom six, you know, scoring uh, winger that also can play some center as well. I mean, it's just, it's very tough to say. I know from the Devils' perspective, I would say three quarters of the fans that I've spoken to are more than happy with moving on from. Uh, Pavel Zaka to get anything and I know people want to say that we're just going to you know are the Canucks really going to give us Brock Besser for Pavel Zaka there's going to have to be a lot more involved in this deal but I think it is something to point out because if the Canucks have interest in Zaka and obviously the Devils have interest in Brock Besser those two are going to be the starters to a deal, which is probably going to be a lot more. Do I think both teams would get more than just those players? Certainly Vancouver, potentially with the Devils, depending on what ends up um, being the deal, if there is a deal in place. Now, here's some other things that I did want to mention. Brock Besser really didn't get off to a great start this year. He really kind of 
He really struggled, as did the majority of the Vancouver Canucks team when Travis Green was the head coach. But once the Canucks fired uh, Travis Green and hired Bruce Boudreau, Brock Besser has gotten back to the level that we've seen him before as being a really, really solid very talented goal scorer as he's totaled 18 points in 22 games under Bruce Boudreaux. So clearly Brock Besser has flourished in the Boudreaux system. And I think it should also be mentioned that there are people within the Canucks organization that feel that they can get a long-term deal signed with Brock Besser and that it would make more sense to keep him rather than trade him. But it may be difficult depending on what Besser's camp is looking for. The Devils, I don't think, would have to worry really at all about giving Besser probably the money that he wants. Because again, like I mentioned, the Devils have roughly $17, $18 million in cap right now. And they're going to get a lot more once P.K. Subban's contract comes up the books and some others as well, you know, even though it's it's less money. So there, I don't think there will be an issue with that. And especially when we already have Nico locked up, Jack Hughes locked up, Dougie Hamilton's locked up. We have the majority of our core locked up moving forward. So I think that there is uh, definitely, um, th th there really shouldn't be a problem with regards to that. But I think if the Devils were to make a move for Brock Besser, it would have to be like what what uh, the Islanders did a few years ago when they acquired Jean-Gabriel Pajot from Ottawa, in which they not only trade for him, but they immediately signed him to a long-term deal. Because I don't think the Devils would feel comfortable making the deal with Besser not sure if he wants to stay in Jersey long-term, and then we just have to wait it out. Because if we have to give up a decent amount for him, and then he ends up not signing with us, that's, that's a really, obviously, that's a really, really bad move to make. Now, I do want to point out something that uh, my good buddy Alex Chauvency put out in his latest article on the hockey writers, and I would highly recommend you go check that out. I wanted to um, share it here on the podcast because I think it's something worth noting. Compared to Garland, Besser is the worst five-on-five -five score. Garland has averaged 2.25 points per 60 minutes since the start of the 1920 season, while Besser has averaged 1.79 points per 60 minutes. And I think part of the issue is that, you know, when I look at, when you look at it from an analytical perspective, Besser gets a lot of his points via the power play and he doesn't get as many points five on five, but talking to some other people, including my good buddy, Jersey Joe, it sounds like to me that it's a combination of the players that he's playing with, that he's not always on lines that uh, he can benefit from, from a skill level. And I think also it has to do with the coaching. Now, is going from Bruce Boudreaux, where you've really succeeded, to coming to Lindy Ruff, who very well could be out of a job at the end of the year, is that going to be, you know, something that, you know, Brock Besser is going to be good with doing and, you know, having success with? You know, it, that'll remain to be seen if if this deal actually goes through. But, um but it is something to keep in mind that Besser does seem to do a lot of his damage on the power play. And there's nothing wrong with that, except, you know, we're not always going to be on the power play. We need guys to be consistently scoring. And, you know, there are, there are a lot of teams out there, especially the good teams, the teams that are competing for a cup that have two, three, four consistent goal scorers that are getting them goals every, you know, every other night. And I think that that's what we're trying to get at the end of the day. Do I think Besser coming to Jersey, being paired with Jack Hughes or even Nico Heischer be a good thing? 100%. Besser is an exact fit to what the Devils are trying to do and what they're trying to accomplish moving forward with this, um, with this team. 
Now, as I mentioned before, but I'll mention again, uh, Brock Besser is going to be an R, a, a restricted free agent or RFA with arbitration rights this summer. And his, his qualifying offer is pretty high. It's at $7.5 million. It's a pretty pretty big amount for a qualifying offer of one year. Uh, per Sarah Valley's reporting, um, he emphasized that Canucks president of hockey operations, Jim Rutherford, has stressed creating cap flexibility. So do I, th- so it sounds like to me that if the Canucks, if the Canucks are to be believed as to what they're going to do, what they want to do, I guess it makes sense as to why Besser's the odd man out and that, you know, his contract is, is up and he's a restricted free agent, blah, blah, blah. And they don't want to have to create more set. Sal- well, you know, give up more salary for one player if they don't have to, that's just going off of that. Uh, Sarah Valley speculated that Zaka could be one of the pieces in a potential Brock Besser deal. And then it's also reported that the Canucks have interest in defenseman Ty Smith. Now I understand that people that some people might be against giving up on Ty Smith so quickly because he had a very, very solid rookie year. He showed a lot of promise and this year, he's completely regressed. He has had a very difficult year. Some people have even questioned if he should have gotten sent down to Utica for a while. And you, you wonder to yourself, what exactly is going on? I personally, as I've mentioned before, think it has a lot to do with the coaching, but you know, that I I'm, I'm just beating a dead horse. Um, but I also think this, look, the devils have a lot not only with the team that they have now, but also in Utica and certainly in their prospect pool from a defensive perspective that giving Ty Smith away may not necessarily be the worst thing. You still have Luke Hughes coming through the pipeline. You still have Vukashevich, Mukamadulin. You have, you know, Riley Walsh. You have all of these guys, Kevin Ball, all of these guys that have yet to be consistent NHL players, some of them haven't even played in the NHL yet, let alone in North America, that, you know, you could probably take a chance on giving up somebody like Ty Smith if Vancouver wants him. So I think that probably for starters, if you're going to make a deal for Brock Besser, you're going to go with Zaka and then Ty, and obviously Ty Smith. I think that there's a good chance that Vancouver would be interested in the Devils' first-round pick for this year, which is certainly projected to be top 10, potentially top 5 if things continue to go downhill the way that they are going. And the question is, are the Devils now more in a mode of buying and making the team better now than continuing to do what they've done the last couple of years, which is building for the future? And this is supposed to be a relatively weak draft, not as great as we've seen in years past. You know, so maybe the Devils may be okay with giving away the first round pick. I've spoken to a lot of Devils fans, fans that are more than happy with moving on with that first round pick. If it means we're getting an already developed NHL player, a very young goal scorer and guy who fits a a major need on our top six. So that is really all that we have when it comes to the Devils and Canucks. It sounds like they've continued to talk. It sounds like that, you know, maybe Fitzgerald is talking with his team and talking about, you know, what are they willing to give up? What could, you know, you know, what are the positives? What are the negatives? Do I think a deal will happen? 
it's hard for me to say yes because we've seen this in years past where the Devils have been involved in rumors, particularly with Brock Besser, and nothing ever happened. So I don't really know why this would be any different, um, but you never know. But also, I'm just going to point this out. It does sound like the Devils could be a little bit more buyers than sellers at the deadline. I mean, the only guys you can think of are that they could sell are obviously Zaka, P.K. Subban, if anybody wanted to take that contract for just half the year, I know the Devils would probably have to retain maybe half of the salary to make it work or three quarters of it. Um, you know, maybe Andres Janssen, if there's interest out there, maybe Tomas Tatar. Other than that, there just isn't a whole lot the Devils have um, that are on expiring contracts or anything like that, that I think the Devils uh, could move. So maybe Fitzgerald is looking more in the buyer's market because he wants to try to improve the team. Now, I did also hear that potentially the Devils could be looking to get a goalie at the trade deadline. I don't know who it is, what team or anything like that. Um, we'll just have to see where things go over the next couple of weeks because these next two or three weeks is going to be telling as to what the Devils decide to do. And also with regards to the goalie, it sounds like to me, based off of what I've been told, that it's not going to be for somebody just for this year, but moving forward because we have a lot of uncertainty in the now when it comes to our, our uh, goalie position. So we'll see. We shall see. But the next rumor that I wanted to uh, mention here, and I'm going to kind of be brief with this one because I really just cannot see the Devils get, you know, not only do I not see them going after this guy, I don't see them even wanting to, you know, give what this team is asking for. So not only did Sarah Valley connect the Devils to Brock Besser again, he also connected them to Chicago Blackhawks forward Brandon Hagel for Hagel the Bagel, as a lot of people call him, which makes sense. The 23-year-old is in the middle of a breakout season, 14 goals, 27 points in 44 games, one of the lone bright spots of what has been a very difficult year for the Chicago Blackhawks. Hagel, and again, a lot of this, a lot of these statistics and things that I got are from Alex Chauvincy's latest article on the Hockey Writers. So again, I would highly recommend reading that. Alex is a friend of the podcast. He's been on here before. He, if anybody knows what's going on with these type of players and giving us it from a really good analytical perspective, it's Alex Chauvincy, 100%. Uh, he wrote that Hagel has a goals above replacement, GAR, of 12.7. That's the best mark on the Blackhawks this season. That's about on par with, with his expected GAR of 11.3, which is second best on the team to Alex Dabrinkit. Now, we did hear about Dabrinkit could be available if the right offers in place. I don't think the Devils are going to make a move for Dabrinkit. I also don't think the Blackhawks are as serious as people might want to make them out to be about moving on from Dabrinkit. Anyway, um, he's been there talking about, I think Hagel, he's been there most efficient five on five score, averaging 1.96 points per 60 minutes, a 26 goal, 50 point pace over 82 games. So obviously Hagel is far and away having his best season of his career. Um, but there's some other things to point out for starters. Hagel is shooting 19.2% on the season, which is not sustainable in the long run. And he has scored 14 goals on 8.46 expected goals at all strengths. So there will be some, some regression down the road. Now, right away, I'm not really that impressed with, with Hagel. And even if the Devils wanted to make a move for him, 
um, they're not going to give up a whole lot. No team is going to give up a whole lot. And especially with this. Per Saravalli, he reports the Blackhawks have asked for Hagel is a first-round pick and a top-tier prospect, which is a slap in the face to a lot of teams and is laughable in some degrees because, yes, Hagel's 23. Yes, he looks like this may be, he could be breaking out. But here are two things. One, why would Chicago give up on him so easily if he's going to be part of their rebuild moving forward? Why would they do that? Number two, if they think for a guy that only just now has shown something when he's shown before that he's not really that consistent and he probably will regress, why would anybody give up a first-round pick and one of their top-tier prospects? So right away, I think that's a deal breaker, at least from the Devils' perspective. Any other team can go out there and, and make a move for him, but I just don't see it from the Devils' perspective. Hagel is 23 years old, is having a breakout season, and is under contract through the 2023-24 season at a very, very good, very valuable cap hit of just $1.5 million. So if the Devils were to get him, they're not really, pay, they're not really going to have to you know, they're going to have them on the books for very, very little for 2023, you know, 2022-23 and 2023-24. That's at least two years, at least, of uh, of service that he can bring. If he regresses some, he's likely to provide more value than $1.5 million per year. So that's the only other rumor we got with regards to the Devils. Uh, again, Based off of just what I just said and what I've researched, Hagel is not going to be somebody that's going to be an answer for us long-term as a top six scorer. I could be wrong, but I think the chances of it are very, very slim. I, I cannot see it, and I don't think the Devils, if they were to make a move for him, just don't give them what the Blackhawks ask because the Blackhawks are going to realize pretty quickly that nobody's going to be paying a whole lot for that guy who has not proven you know, for a long period of time that he could be this good. So I think that that's, that's something to keep in mind. But as you can see from the title of this episode, you know, let the rumors begin. We're getting close to the trade deadline. We know where the devils are. We know where they're going, you know, when this season ends and, you know, it's a matter of, I think we're at a crossing roads right now. I think we're at a, a moment in time, you know, a fork in the road where it's like, okay, do we go down the route we've been normally going down, which is just trading off anything that we have that people want and try to get, you know, draft capital and things like that? Or do we start to potentially look at teams that are moving some NHL talent that could help us moving forward? It's it's definitely going to be an interesting um, trade deadline. It could very well not. There's so much uncertainty. And as I mentioned before, all we could do is just wait and see what happens. Hoops fans, the latest offer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA, is too good to pass up. I'm talking between the legs, 360 windmill good. New customers can bet just $1 on any team and get $150 in free bets if they win. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still take your shot at a big payday. Everyone could play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Basketball Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to bet just $1 on any NBA team and get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 
21 plus minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gaming resources. Void where prohibited. Minimum $5 deposit. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or text the TN Redline 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369. Now, the next thing I wanted to talk about on this episode of the Devil's State of Mind podcast is doing an Olympic recap. For those of you that don't know, I was doing a couple of live watch-alongs on the Hockey Podcast Network YouTube channel, which you guys should go subscribe to because we, you know, we're, we're really growing that channel, man. It's great. I did, um, I did the Slovakia versus United States game in the quarterfinals, in which Slovakia won in a shootout, and then. I did the gold medal game of the women's of the women's side of, of ice hockey in which uh, Canada defeated the United States three to two. And then on Saturday morning, I did the bronze medal game between Slovakia and Sweden in which Slovakia won four nothing to win their first ever Olympic medal. And we interacted with so many people from Slovakia. There were so many people from Slovakia in the chat, liking, subscribing, shouting us out, commenting. It was great. Really loved interacting with all of those people. And I'm very much looking forward to doing more international games down the road. It was a lot of fun. And from the devil's perspective, there was some, the majority were former players, but there was obviously one prospect that we have that, actually showed a lot of really, really good things in this tournament. So we'll start with the game, one of the games that I did a live watch along for, the bronze medal game. Slovakia defeated Sweden 4 to nothing in the bronze medal game. First medal in Slovakian history in ice hockey. So congratulations to them because Slovakia was originally Czechoslovakia. And now that they are Slovakia, they, I think they've only been Slovakia for about 20 plus years now. So this is a, a pretty, th- this was history that we were seeing. Um, and we talked about this man, Slavkovsky, who is one of the prospects I told you in the last episode that was intriguing to me in the draft. He had seven goals and seven points in the tournament, which tied him with Eddie Olchek for the most points in a single tournament in Olympic hockey history. So this kid just amped his draft stock up a lot. He definitely is going to be a potential guy that the Devils could select if they keep their first round pick and actually use it. This could be somebody who has who's goal scoring mentality, 17 years of age, going to be somebody that's probably not coming to the NHL right away, but it's somebody you got to keep your eye on. He did a tremendous job in the Olympics, helping and in some cases guiding Slovakia to that bronze medal. What's also kind of cool is the Devils have three, and it might be the most of any team in the NHL, but they have three players on the team that are of Slovakian descent. Tomas Tatar, Christian Jarosz, and Marian Studenich, who all spoke to the media about how special this moment was for Slovakian fans and how wonderful of a time it was, and they were all so happy that Slovakia won an Olympic medal. So congratulations to Slovakia. Congratulations to... uh, for congratulations to some of the current devils and potentially future devils um, for winning it. But I also do want to mention 
Patrick Reber, the goaltender for uh, Slovakia, this, I, I know he's 27, but the Devils should look into this guy as maybe somebody we could try to convince to come over to the NHL and play because he was rock solid. He had two shutouts in the tournament. Very, very impressive. And I think that definitely he caught some eyes, you know, for what he did. And, uh, you know, I think it's something to look at. It definitely is something to look at. And um, just wanted to mention that a um, little bit as well. Now, going over to the gold medal game, we had a we had a great game in which Finland, with the upset, defeated ROC or Russia two to one in the gold medal game with former devil Sammy Vatanen and also former devil Harry Pesinen winning gold medal with Finland. So I completely forgot that Sammy Vatanen, because he's not an NHL team actually got the chance to go over um, and play in the Olympics. Harry Pesnin, I believe, played in like 14, 15 or 15, 16. Very, very uh, small time in New Jersey, but also a former double. Both of them win an Olympic gold medal. So congratulations to those former doubles. And then you have ROC, who had Nikita Gusev, former double, um, Yakovlev, another former double, and Arseniy Grutsiuk, one of the devil's top. At this point, top prospects right now. They all won silver, losing in that gold medal game. Arseny Gritsyuk had a very, very solid uh, tournament. He had one goal, two assists for three points in the tournament. And he scored the game winner in the shootout in the semifinal game against Sweden to put, the, to put ROC in the gold medal game. So that was a big moment for ROC's team and a big moment for us Devils fans watching this kid play. I've interacted with him a couple of times. He's a really, really nice kid. And uh, obviously it's still going to be a while before maybe we get the chance to see him come to New Jersey because his contract with Avangard Omsk of the KHL it doesn't run out until the end of the 20, 2022-2023. Is he potentially somebody the Devils could include in a deal to get an NHL um, already an already established NHL player? I think it's possible, especially with the uncertainty of him. But he currently is a New Jersey Devils prospect, and he uh, definitely put on a, a really good showing at the Olympics. So that is our Olympic update. Congratulations to all of our former Devils as well as future devils for winning some Olympic medals. That is phenomenal. It's great that we have connections with all three countries that won Olympic medals um, this year. So that was a very, very, uh, very cool thing. And I do hope that when we get to 2026, we get NHL players back because we missed it. And I think that um, it would just be great to finally get back for the first time since Sochi. And it's crazy how long it's been now, nearly a decade since we had NHL players playing, you know, overseas. And uh, hopefully by 2026, we get back to, uh, we get back to having NHL players and getting the best of the best playing against one another on an international stage. And finally, the last thing I want to discuss, and I wanted to save the best for last is it's time for another Utica Comets slash prospect update. We'll start with our wonderful, our wonderful friends down in Utica. They are currently 39-5-0 for 65 points on the season at the time of this recording. They are the first team in the NA in the AHL, excuse me, to reach 30 wins. They're currently first in the North Division. 
first in the Eastern Conference and number one overall in the American Hockey League. This team, in its first year back as being the Devils affiliate, has continued to put on an amazing showing for those diehard Utica fans. They had two games over the weekend. The first one was on Friday, a 4-2 victory for the Comets over the Rochester Americans. But the biggest storyline of that game was A.J. Greer, who came over from, I believe he came over in the deal uh, in which we sent um, Kyle Palmieri and Travis Ajak to the Islanders last year at the deadline. A.J. Greer, who's on a one-year deal with the Devils slash Utica Comets, scored not one, not two, not three, but all four goals in that win over Rochester, which boosts him up to 14 goals on the season. And through 32 games this year, he has scored 14 goals for 18. Well, excuse me. He has 32 points on the year, 14 goals, 18 assists in 35 games played. So A.J. Greer putting on a very impressive showing in that win against Rochester. The very next day on Saturday night, the Devils, the Comets traveled to Allentown to take on the Lehigh Valley Phantoms and won three to two in a shootout. Alexander Holtz got himself a filthy breakaway goal, in which he got the goaltender down on all fours, right on his stomach, caught him well out of position, and Holtz just buried it. A beautiful goal for a kid that just continues to be on fire. We've talked about him so many times with the way he's played down in Utica. 18 goals, 16 assists for 34 points in just 30 games this year in Utica. I would expect him to maybe get an opportunity to get called up one more time towards the end of the year, maybe right after the deadline. We'll see. But he definitely is on pace. The way he's been playing, he's on pace to, to maybe make a run at, at uh, 30 goals if he keeps playing this way. Nolan Foote added the other goal in that game. He has nine goals, 14 assists for 24 points in 40 games. He's definitely still a uh, very valuable prospect. We got him in that deal for Blake Coleman two years ago. So he's still somebody that we're looking forward to being an NHL regular moving forward. And A.J. Greer, continuing with his spectacular weekend, scored the game-winning goal in the fourth round of the shootout to win that game for the Utica Comets. So those boys in red and black up there in Utica, New York, 39-5-0, and they are the top team in the American Hockey League. And uh, shout out to uh, the boys at uh, Marty's Illegal Stick Podcast. I've been on there a bunch of times. Those boys over there cover the Utica Comets. So if you want, you want if you want the most up to date news and you know getting it from the diehard fans themselves up in Utica. Make sure you go subscribe and also, and you know, you go check out the podcast. Also, subscribe to the YouTube channel. I'm on there a bunch of times. We have a lot of fun talking about Utica, talking about the Devils, and so much more. So, shout out to those boys. They are having a great time up there, and uh, I'm definitely going to try to get up there before the season ends um, and see a game because I just want to see a team that we are a fan of uh, win some games in hockey. So, Utica comments. Just keep on rolling. And then we come to one of our, I would say probably our second most high, you know, highest rated prospect in our pool. And that is, of course, Jack Hughes' younger brother, 
Luke Hughes, who made history over the weekend on Friday, because we mentioned this in a previous episode recently. On Friday, Luke Hughes scored two goals in a 5-3 to three win over their arch rivals, Ohio State. His first goal set a new record for the most goals scored by a freshman defenseman in a single season in school history. And then obviously he's moved it up even more. He got to his 15th goal. So he's continuing to uh, set that new record. Then he topped that the next day by scoring a beautiful goal, a filthy goal on a partial breakaway going from his forehand to his backhand, top shelf, goaltender was way out of position, a beautiful goal from a defenseman playing like a forward. It was unreal. He scored and helped Michigan win that game against Ohio State by the score of three to nothing. So Michigan gets two very big victories against their hated rivals um, in the Buckeyes. Also, that goal, that goal he scored in the second game, that was his ninth goal in his last six games. He has amped up his scoring a lot. And I do think a lot of it has to do with the fact that several of his teammates were over in um, Beijing playing in the Olympics. So we got a lot more minutes. I'm not saying that he's not capable of doing these things. I'm just saying that this is part of the reason why. But he just continues to play unreal hockey right now. 16 goals. 16 assists for 32 points on the season for him at the time of this recording. The Michigan Wolverines are currently number two in the nation, only behind Minnesota State. They stand with a 25-7-1-0 record. Good for first in the Big Ten. And like I mentioned just a moment ago, they are second in the nation behind Minnesota State. So you, you can't help again but feel excited and hopeful for the future, and I know that's a touchy subject to say after the last couple of years that we've had, but you can't help but feel excited about what these young guys down in Utica, playing you know in Michigan, playing overseas, are putting up some really impressive numbers, showcasing themselves, and really showing that the Devils have a very strong prospect pool. A lot of people who you know look at prospects and look at the team's prospect pools. We're averaging somewhere between the, the, you know, between like the third and fourth best prospect pool in the NHL. So basically what I'm saying is that we do have pieces moving forward that are going to help this team get better. It's all about, like I've mentioned before, getting the right coaching staff, which I still think, um, you know, that remains to be seen. If we, uh, if we have the right coaching staff in place, I think we're much more on the scale of not really, um, but also just continuing to, you know, hope that some of these guys can blossom once they get to the NHL. And then, you know, look, the other positive and the other advantage is that it gives us a chance to have a lot of value that we can use to try to trade to get NHL-ready players now that can certainly take us to the next level in the immediate, um, in the present, as opposed to constantly waiting for the future. But, you know, it's still exciting nonetheless. So, you know, obviously, again, the Devils do not return to the ice until the twenty until uh, Thursday. So we do have some obviously uh, time here. So this episode and then episode forty-four. You know, we won't really have any um, Devils games to recap, but like today, we're always going to have things to talk about. So make sure you stick around for that episode as well. But uh, again, as I've said before, 
The future is certainly bright in New Jersey. And the hope is, is that uh, the future comes a lot sooner. And then all the talent we have becomes part of our present and getting us to where we want to be at the end of the day. And that is to eventually become a Stanley Cup champion franchise once again.